Hello and welcome to the Sandmates podcast. I'm Barry Collins. Wi-Fi is both a miracle and a curse. For those of us old enough to remember dial-up internet with a PC sheath to the telephone line, high-speed Wi-Fi still feels roughly akin to magic. But for broadband providers, it's one of their biggest headaches, with over half of support calls originating from perceived problems with Wi-Fi. I say perceived because consumer expectations of Wi-Fi are that it will deliver the full speed of their internet connection to every corner of their home. As we'll discover from our conversation with Sam Knows founder Sam Crawford, that's often not the case. Indeed, we'll also hear from Sam Knows design guru Simon Cook on how Sam Knows software helped to identify Wi-Fi problems in his own home. However, there is hope for a better future. We'll also be joined by Qualcomm's Senior Director of Technology Planning, Andy Davidson, who will explain the benefits of the new Wi-Fi 7 standard and why it could eradicate many of the frustrations that people have for the Wi-Fi equipment in their home today. First, however, I started by asking Sam Crawford whether it's unreasonable for consumers to expect Wi-Fi to deliver the full speed of the internet connection to every room in the home. That's a tricky question. I don't think it's unreasonable given the marketing that you see um, on in TV and on newspapers and so on when broadband products are being advertised. I think that's actually improved in recent years, and I'll explain in a minute. But um, there's there's so many factors at play here. Broadband connections are getting faster and faster. Um, uh, so gigabit is becoming more commonplace here in the UK. It's very commonplace in parts of um, other parts of the world. And everyone knows your chances of getting gigabit over Wi-Fi, even over the very latest uh, Wi-Fi technologies, is is vanishingly small unless you're in the same room just a few feet away from the um from the wireless router or access point the, the 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 advertising in the industry has definitely improved in in the past year or two if you look uh i myself was actually looking at changing broadband provider just recently and one of the ones i was looking at um uh, very clearly distinguishes between the, the speed of the internet connection delivered to the home and then the typical speed that could be expected to be received on devices using their supplied wireless router. Um, but anyway, I would say it's complicated. Uh, so if you're on a um, if you're on a connection more than a couple of hundred megabits, I think uh, whether or not it's reasonable or not, uh, your chances of getting that couple of hundred megabits all over your home is very small. Um, unless you are kitting out with a, an expensive mesh Wi-Fi solution, um, probably brought from a um, brought from a third party. And even then, your chances of getting more than four or five hundred megabits around your home everywhere is still very, very small. Um, but putting the speed aspect of your uh, question aside, um, I think the, the the more important aspect, which is overlooked, again, driven largely by marketing, I think, um, is uh, whether or not you can get a reliable Wi-Fi connection all over your home. That's definitely actually uh, become a, a focus of, of, of marketing from some ISPs in, in recent years. They've been advertising Wi-Fi extenders and pods and boosters and this, that, and the other. Um, and um, yes, some of those are um, will will boost your signal strength, but don't necessarily um, boost the reliability that much. So I think that's a that's still an underserved area of the market. Gar- uh, ensuring uh, a reliable Wi-Fi coverage um, throughout the home, and obviously reliable is quite. 
is is fairly subjective. That could that could mean so many things to so many people, right? Like uh, consistent speed. Uh, it could mean latency below a certain level. It could mean packet loss below a certain level. It will certainly have connotations around buffer bloats as well. Um, so so how your connection performs uh, when it is very heavily loaded. I'm sure we'll come on to that as well later on. But uh, I would say personally, I would say reliability is well. For me, it's a much bigger concern than um, than performance. Does Sam think the industry has done enough to educate consumers about Wi-Fi? Historically, no. Um, but more recently, I think they're doing a much better job. And I think that's largely... <laughs> well, if I was being cynical, I would say it's because they have to. Because uh, internet access speeds are increasing. They're, they're constantly increasing. They have been for years. They probably will for um, for many years to come. But in-home Wi-Fi throughput, at least, let's talk about speed, um, has not been increasing at the same at the same rate. So um, your internet access speed can actually outstrip your Wi-Fi speed. So uh, they they have to <laughs> talk about something else at that point. Um, and it's you know it's very hard for for, um, for an ISP to sell a, a broadband product which is advertised at like one gigabit, for example, when the first thing a consumer does is. Um, plug it in and fire up their phone and run a speed test, and they find it gets four or five hundred megabits. Uh, first thing they're going to do is, is complain, right? So um, uh, they've, there's there's been quite a lot of effort, I think, from from the industry, not just the ISPs, but um, uh, the industry as a whole, to to make clear that you will only get the higher speeds if you connect via uh, wired Ethernet. Uh, you should be close to your router if you're trying to run, um, if you're trying to assess the performance of your connection, or maybe use something like um, uh, the Samnos Real Speed product. Um, and and speed is is not is not everything. We know that Wi-Fi is the major source of complaints to ISP care teams. Does Sam think that's going to get worse as connection speeds increase? I think if the trajectory of internet access speeds continues and the rollout of gigabit broadband across multiple countries including the UK and the US and Canada and so on if that if that continues at the same rate then obviously more people are going to have gigabit broadband available to them prices are going to come down as competition increases um, so if more people take up gigabit I don't think Wi-Fi is or uh, Wi-Fi speeds are going to increase at the at the same rate so I think necessarily yes the, the the percentage of uh, customer complaints being driven by Wi-Fi is probably going to increase for the uh, for the foreseeable future. Samno's real speed product can help consumers get a better understanding of the difference between the speeds into the home and the speeds they receive on their devices. I asked Sam to explain how it works. Sure. So historically, most of the the Samnos products were were internet facing. So we specifically tried to exclude in home factors from uh, from the performance measurements, and that's because we wanted to um, to study the performance of the of the ISP at the, uh, the in the inception of the idea behind the the Samnos measurements back in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Even back then, in home Wi Fi was identified as a uh, as a as a very uh, common problem and, and bottleneck for um, carrying out. Measurements, but it wasn't really an area of specific interest in trying to measure it. It was all about the interest. Then was and and 
still now partly, is measuring the internet access side. So our original emphasis was very much on measuring out to the internet. Now, of course, in-home is very much an important topic to cover. So yes, we have a couple of products that we've we've developed in um, as we as we kind of saw this trend changing. So the one that's probably most well known is what we call real speed, um, which is really uh, and some some of our customers call it a two-step speed test. Um, it's actually a bit more than that, but um, what that does is this this makes use of a uh, of our integrated router agent inside um, your router um, if you have one of those. So um, uh, I think more than sixty percent of the the UK consumer base across all ISPs does have uh, does have that, and it's growing in um, uh, in other countries as well. And what RealSpeed does is um, it lets you run two speed tests. Uh, one is from your router. To the internet, so and that measures the the speed, latency, and packet loss of your internet connection between the point of termination to your home, so your your broadband provider's router or modem, um, and the internet. So that gives you like the clean view of just your internet connection, and then it runs a second test as well, which is from your device, be it your phone or your laptop or whatever, um, to the internet. So you get back two sets of results. So two download speeds, two upload speeds, two latency measurements, two packet loss measurements. Um, uh, one just to of your internet connection and one of your internet connection and your Wi-Fi connection. So therefore, a, a user, an end user, a customer, they can do this with a single click, by the way. Um, there's no login required or anything. You just fire it up and um, you get back those two sets of numbers. And what this tells the consumer is, am I getting the, the performance that I'm paying for delivered to my home? Um, yes or no. And what am I getting to my device? So this is... I guess this is useful for the consumers because they can they can validate whether they're getting what they're um, uh, what they're being sold, and it's also useful for the uh, our ISP customers as well. And in fact, our ISP customers really like this because it um, it helps educate customers ahead of and sometimes save customer support calls. One person who didn't need to call their ISP for help was Sandno's own design chief, Simon Cook. When Cookie moved to his new house in London, he struggled to get a decent Wi-Fi connection to every part of his home. He used RealSpeed to help diagnose what was going wrong with his Wi-Fi. Sam Noes had just developed the RealSpeed test and I'd just bought my new house. And I was quite excited to kind of use the new test to test the performance of my Wi-Fi in the house. And I, I kind of knew already before using it that I had problems because it's like a three-story house and the, the router's at the ground floor and when I'm kind of working is in the loft. And like sometimes you could get Wi-Fi in the loft and sometimes you couldn't. Um, so I tested it using real speed from room to room. And I found that like in virtually every room other than right next to the router, I was losing about 90% of my broadband performance. And so I, I realized quickly that I needed to get like a Wi-Fi mesh system to kind of like boost the Wi-Fi around the house. Um, and I thought I would sort of... Uh, use real speed to measure the difference it made. And I was doing tests in every single room and making a note of the results. I'd done it like several times. And I just found that like the results seemed almost random. Like sometimes they were quite good. Sometimes they were terrible. And I couldn't really make head no sense of the data. So I, I took my sort of results to someone who was more of an expert at work at Sam Knows. And they looked at it and they kind of thought that the Wi-Fi bands might be causing the variation. And I, I sort of like I sort of mapped the results on a sort of like a rough diagram of the house, and it it it, it sort of sort of made sense that when I the, the the kind of results that I assumed was connecting to the two point four gigahertz band, you you could get like Wi Fi 
in the loft. It kind of like had a further reach. Um, but the kind of performance wasn't great in most of the house. But then when I think it was connected for, on the five gigahertz band, you got like much faster speeds nearer to the router. But when you went up into the loft and tested it, you couldn't even get any signal at all. So it seemed to have like faster performance near the router, but much less reach around the house. So real speed helped Cookie identify the problems in his home. How did he solve the problems in the end? When we renovated the house, I actually hardwired the house up with Ethernet cables. So I've actually got all the Eros plugged into the Ethernet. So I don't know, I've got, I've got brilliant Wi-Fi around the house now. <laughs> real speed isn't the only SanMose product that can help diagnose issues with the in-home Wi-Fi, as Sam Crawford explains. So we also have a second product as well, which is much newer for us and is still somewhat in um, in its infancy, which is looking at the in-home performance of individual uh, devices. And it does this uh, passively. So it's looking at, well, it's partly passive and partly active. So in the passive sense, it's looking at um, underlying access technology characteristics um, per device. So this might be looking at on the wired side, it'll be looking at um, link speed and duplex and how the uh, how the device is connected. Uh, it's over fiber, copper, and so on. And on the Wi-Fi side, there's there's obviously many more parameters, right? So we'll be looking at um, what generation of Wi-Fi technology, what uh, what channel is it on, what is the channel width, um, and then more broadly, what is the um, and this is a really interesting one. What is the channel occupancy? How much other noise is there on the uh, another background activity is there on the Wi-Fi channel, um, which obviously can really impair performance. Of course, this doesn't. This is just looking at the the environmental aspects. Um, we also uh, look at. We also run some some simple active measurements to the um, to the devices as well. So simple um, uh, latency and, and packet loss measurements uh, to each device inside the home continuously, um, and all of this is possible through. The the latest generation uh, white boxes, uh, which have external antennas on them for basically better uh, Wi-Fi performance, um, uh, specifically for carrying out these in-home measurements. Part of the reason why consumers are still facing so many performance issues with Wi-Fi in the home is that their router isn't using the latest Wi-Fi standards. Partly because of the component shortages experienced during the pandemic Many ISPs have yet to refresh their routers to Wi-Fi 6 or Wi-Fi 6E, let alone the Wi-Fi 7 standard that has emerged this year. Even when providers do refresh their router range, there's a lag between the arrival of new equipment and it arriving in people's homes. Does that partly explain why Sam knows has yet to record any real benefit from the modern Wi-Fi standards in its data? It's still quite early days for Wi-Fi 6E, which is bizarre given we're already talking about wi-fi 7 but um wi-fi 6e is still relatively early days you're only just starting to see uh routers from isps in particular coming on the market with wi-fi 6e uh from retailers um you know the likes of tp link and linksys and d-link and netgear and so on they've been around for a while um but 6e is still relatively uh nascent um Obviously, the, the the key selling point for 6E is the expansion into the, the 6 gigahertz spectrum, which has been pretty entirely empty up until now, whereas Wi-Fi 6 still used the um, the previous spectrum from um, from earlier, earlier Wi-Fi generations. So that's largely where you're going to see the biggest difference between um, 6 and 6E, and that's largely where you're going to see the performance and reliability improvements. It feels like we've seen a lot of new Wi-Fi standards in recent years, 
with Wi-Fi 6, then Wi-Fi 6E, and now Wi-Fi 7. But as Qualcomm's Annie Davidson explains, that's something of a misconception. Well, the rate of evolution of the new Wi-Fi standards, that's you know Wi-Fi 5, 6, 7, is actually the same. It's every four years. The difference is that we had a once in a generation allocation of new spectrum at six gigahertz and Wi-Fi 6E is really just Wi-Fi 6 in the six gigahertz spectrum. I've heard other people express that same impression and some are even confused whether they should choose 6E or 7. I suggest you can think of it as two separate decisions. When do you want to upgrade your core Wi-Fi functionality, which would be to Wi-Fi 7? And when do you want to add the extra capacity that 6 gigahertz brings, in which you could just add Wi-Fi 6E or Wi-Fi 7? Now, Wi-Fi built its initial success with just 320 megahertz channels and 2.4 gigahertz. With 5 gigahertz, there was enough extra spectrum added that you could get at least 380 megahertz channels everywhere, and that gave four times the speed. And then in some regions like the US, you actually had enough for three 160 megahertz channels, doubling the speed again. With 6 gigahertz, we get enough for three 160 megahertz channels in every region that supports it. And then the US, enough for three 320 megahertz channels. Wi-Fi 7 is the first generation specifically designed to take advantage of 6 gigahertz and the extra spectrum. So it includes those 320 megahertz channels. I asked Andy how difficult it had been for the Wi-Fi vendors to keep pace with the connection speeds coming into the home. Well, the addition of all that extra spectrum and the higher speeds that it brings is key. Wi-Fi is almost always the technology that you use for the last hop to, to the end user's device. And if you're paying for a gigabit per second service uh, to your home, you want full access to that in your devices. You, you want the capability throughout the home to do what you want, where you want it. That's why mesh has been so quickly adopted by home users. It brings high-speed connectivity throughout the home, regardless of the size of the home, the construction materials used for the home, and you get that full speed everywhere. So aside from greater bandwidth, what are the other advantages of Wi-Fi 7? Well, there's faster connections from that wider bandwidth, and also there's advanced coding techniques to also improve the speed. There are adaptive connections. They, they can work around interference and congestion. So you get that high throughput under all conditions, kind of regardless of where you are. But in my opinion, the biggest innovation is multiple connections. Since Wi-Fi 4, many APs have supported operation in two bands, typically 2.4 gigahertz, 5 gigahertz. With the addition of 6, we'll increasingly see routers supporting 3, 4, or even more channels spread across 2 or 3 bands. In Wi-Fi 7, a client can create multiple connections to an AP, easily switching between them as it needs. It also supports alternating between channels quickly to avoid congestion and lower latency, or even aggregating the traffic across two channels, so you still get that lower latency, but you also get higher speed. For example, if a router offers 160 megahertz channels in 5 gigahertz and 6 gigahertz, a client can connect them both and get speeds equivalent to 320 megahertz. It's not only keeping pace with the connection speeds coming into the home that Wi-Fi vendors have to deal with, but coping with the dozens of devices we connect to our Wi-Fi networks these days. How much of a challenge is it juggling all those different devices? It requires management of spectrum and intelligent scheduling. With Wi-Fi 7 latency-sensitive applications such as video calling, VR, can sustain high-throughput flows in the high bands. 
at the consistent low latency required. So given the complexity of the problem, the many different tools available in the Wi-Fi 6 and 7 standards that are available to solve, I expect to see a bigger divergence in the ability of routers to juggle that traffic effectively. The ability to deliver specific services in a congested scenario is going to be different across devices. Most home network traffic today is high speed. The implementation of the scheduler and the router will be increasingly important. With energy efficiency now a key concern for everyone, I asked Andy how much Qualcomm had to balance power consumption with a desire to provide ever more powerful chipsets and Wi-Fi radios in a device that's always on. It's an important consideration. These always-on home gateways have a noticeable impact on an operator's carbon footprint. I expect there to be an increasing focus for the industry over the next few years. At Qualcomm, we've got a long history of lowering power in mobile devices. I'm confident that many of those techniques can be applied to routers. Now, I'm happy to report that our Qualcomm Immersive Home Wi-Fi 7 product that we've just brought out shows a 22% improvement in throughput per watt over the Wi-Fi 6E equivalent. Finally, I couldn't let Sano's technical chief go without asking him what Wi-Fi equipment he used in his own home. (laughs) <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, so my setup is not just Wi-Fi. Um, I've got wired Ethernet to um, to pretty much every room because wired Ethernet is still the most reliable medium. Um, so gigabit wired Ethernet to every room. Um, and then there are some ubiquity wireless access points. Um, there's one indoor and one outdoor. So the reason I went for... Um, Ubiquity access points, and this isn't a marketing thing for them by any means, but is they uh, they offered uh, a power over Ethernet access point uh, which supports the the meshing functionality and could be installed outdoors. Uh, so yeah, one indoor, one outdoors, because frankly, I quite like sitting outside doing some work on the laptop, and um, uh, yeah, that's 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 quite nice. Uh, but there's there's other interesting. I noticed um, Eero just recently launched uh, Power over Ethernet access points as well. But I don't think they have an outdoor version yet. But anyway, maybe for the future. That's it for this episode of the Sam Knows Podcast. Make sure to read the article that accompanies this podcast at samnows.com forward slash spotlight. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>